So like Andy said, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Like, uh, so welcome. Thanks for coming today. Uh, my wife is Becky, and we have three daughters named Leah, Maggie, and Gracie. So we talk about our feelings a lot in our family. So it's really great. It's normal in our house. So uh, yeah, thanks for coming. So Brandon, um, uh, he just finished up preaching through the whole book of Colossians. So, so we just got done with that. Uh, that was a good book to go through for a lot of reasons, one of which is, uh, yeah, it was kind of a straightforward book, and uh, we needed some more bandwidth in our like, uh, prep time for preaching just because uh, we were moving into the building and everything. So that was really helpful as well. So, but, uh, so before we jump into the next series, we're just going to have like a press pause, and just we're gonna, I'm just going to preach a short uh, standalone sermon that's really helpful about baptism. So, so we're having a sermon about baptism for three main reasons. Uh, one is um, we're, having a, we're actually having an opportunity for people to get baptized on Sunday, June 3rd during the service here. So we just want uh, everyone here at River City to know and understand like, what we believe the Bible says about baptism, um, which is important because who knows, maybe you're one of the people that should consider getting baptized that day. Uh, number two, um, we haven't talked much about baptism the last couple years here at River City. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, um, but the, the main reason that we haven't talked about it very much is uh, we generally preach through books of the Bible, so, uh, which is ideally designed to let Scripture set the tone uh, for like, how much a topic gets brought up and things like that. Um, and it just hasn't really gotten, baptism just hasn't really naturally gotten brought, brought up very often, like in the books that we've been preaching through. And like, um, yeah, because maybe I'm not remembering correctly, because I am turning 40 this year, so my memory does get foggy every once in a while. Because um, I think the only times it's gotten brought up are uh, maybe uh, Matthew 28 and Colossians 2. So like, but even when those passages got preached, it's not like we drilled down and sucked the marrow out of like what it says about baptism. So anyway. So uh, that being said, we just think there's value in pressing pause and just like um, just being clear and helpful about what the Bible says about that. So, and reason number three, um, we haven't wanted to accidentally put um, a strange level of emphasis about baptism um, in the life of our church. Um, and I don't, because I don't think it's controversial to say that like um, sometimes churches can sometimes go so- a little sideways when it comes to their tone and posture and emphasis, like when it comes to talking about baptism. Like, I think it's fair to say, um, and we just don't want to accidentally fall into that trap. So, and before we jump in, um, just to be straight with you, um, I do think some of you should consider that, like, on June 3rd. And um, I think that's a decision that ultimately you need to make for you. That's, you know, that's a decision that you make for yourself um, without someone guilting you or needling you or forcing you. Um, but yeah, I think some of you should consider that. And that's what, um, why I think you should, yeah, just prayerfully consider the content of this sermon. Yeah, and as I talk about this subject, um, the most important thing that I want us to see together from Scripture is that baptism symbolizes the gospel and our union with Christ. Baptism symbolizes the gospel and our union with Christ. And if we miss that, then it doesn't matter what else we believe about baptism. So let's pray. So God, like we're really thankful for you and just that um, you give us something like baptism, which tells a story about you and about us. And um, yeah, just like what Andy pray, prayed about just now to you. Um, yeah, we just pray that like you'll open my mouth when it should and close it when it should. And I pray that like um, you'll give us ears to hear what you have to say. Yeah, so we just really push all our chips in the middle with like with that, God. And we love you. Amen. 
All right, so let's jump into, we're going to um, just be hitting on Romans 6, 1 through 5. Romans 6, 1 through 5. And I'll be up on the screen as well. So I'm just going to briefly explain this as we go. And just a little background. I mean, Romans is like a thick book and everything like that. A lot of stuff to understand in there. But we're just going to like uh, parachute into like chapter 6 right here. Um, so we're not going to like suck every detail out of here and nuance it and everything. But just a little background. Paul is writing this to Christians in the local church, in the city of Rome. Um, and in the first 11 chapters of the book, he's talking about like what's true about us what's true about the gospel, what's true about Jesus. And he just got done in chapter 5 talking about the riches of God's grace given to us in Christ, and that leads to a whole new life and an orientation to our life. So let's pick it up right there. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now, there's some nuanced background about like, why Paul is asking this question here, like rhetorically asking this to, the, to the, his readers right there in the church in Rome. But long story short, God's grace is so enormous, so mind-boggling, so huge and lavish that um, sometimes uh, a crazy like question like that just needs to get asked so that you can address it. So what's the answer to that? Verse 2, by no means... We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So Jesus, Jesus lived the life that we were supposed to live, and he died the death that we were supposed to die. And, we were, you know, and now, because of that, through putting faith in him, like our identity is totally and completely wrapped up in him. And that there's a change in orientation of our lives that's so radically profound that Paul uses the language of, We've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Like, that's not who you are anymore. You're completely different. Then Paul double downs on, like, to make his point. Verse 3, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been unified with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So what's Paul talking about there? The fancy theological idea that Paul is talking about in this passage is a theological idea called union with Christ, okay? Now, being a Christian and following Jesus is not about all about like knowing a bunch of fancy theological phrases, but it's not about being ignorant of them either, okay? So union with Christ is a fancy theological way of saying that our new life of being Christians and following Jesus has everything to do in one way or another with our connection, our relationship, and our union with Jesus. So it's not like, well, you become a Christian, then you just kind of like do better, try harder, and all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, it's like, you know, when you become a Christian, you have a union with Jesus. So everything about your life is with Jesus, is with Jesus in light of Jesus. Like everything is like there's a union with him. So, so all over the New Testament, there's phrases like if you've noticed, like um, if you read your Bible on your own, which I encourage you to do, 
Like there's phrases like in Christ and Christ is in us and we're to be like Christ. We do things with Christ. Those phrases are all over the New Testament. And like what that's pointing to is like the theological idea of like union with Christ. Yeah. So when you put your faith in Christ, you become united with him and everything you do from here on out is like because of, in the name of, and with Christ. And that affects everything about the direction and focus of your life. And this is one of the things that the Bible, you know, and union with Christ is one of those things that like really separates biblical Christianity from cultural counterfeits of it and just um, empty religion in general because, you know, you're deeply and closely in union with him because you belong to him. And that's good news. And union with Christ extends to how we understand baptism. So Romans 6 alludes to the fact that when someone goes down into the water in baptism, that's symbolic of going down into the grave and being buried with Christ in his death. That was your old way of life, just coming down into the water. And coming up out of the water is symbolic of being raised with Christ to newness of life, just like Jesus was raised from the grave. So, so that's why, in the biblical sense of the word, um, baptism is very clearly meant to symbolize the death of your old way of life and rising to a new, kind, a new way of life, a newness of life in Christ. So... So we see in Romans 6 that baptism is not a religious exercise that we do for God. Like, it's something that we do with Christ, and it symbolizes a story about the gospel and the newness of life in Christ. So when I'm talking to my daughter Maggie, our middle daughter Maggie, um, when I was talking to her earlier this, earlier this week, you know, just about, like, what baptism is and all this kind of stuff, like, um, you know, when I was explaining some of this to her, and she was like, oh, so it sounds like baptism is like a story that like is being told right there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a little theologian. That's really great. You got it, okay? So like, it's a story that's being told. It's a story about you. It's a story about the gospel, just how those things are connected. So baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality that you are in union with your friend and your forgiver and your leader, Jesus. So biblically understanding baptism like that moves it from an, an optional, extra credit religious exercise to something that's meant to have a ton of meaning and significance. So a little bit about my story. Um, personally, I grew up in a family uh, that um, we didn't follow Jesus, but we went to church on a regular basis. Uh, we, were, uh, we were pretty religious. I think that's a fair way to put it. Um, so we took summers off from going to church. Uh, so I told my Sunday school teacher once, it's like, you know, I think my Sunday school teacher once said like, hey, we'll see you this summer. And I was like, hey, we don't go to church in the summer. And then I told my parents this, and they were like, you told them that? You don't tell them? I'm like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. It was like family secret or whatever. I was so confused. But, um, so I was, I was baptized as a baby. Um, my mom, um, my mom might quibble with this a little bit and everything. I don't think she would very much, but, um, but like, I don't think my parents really understood why, um, they were baptizing me other than, man, that's just what you do. You know, like, it seems like a good idea. People are saying that's a good idea. Like, yeah, yes, I guess that's just what we do. And just to be clear, I don't fault my parents at all for that one bit. Because um, as parents, 
they were just raising us the best way they knew how. I gotta fault them for that. You know, just like with Becky and I as parents, we're making the choice to raise our kids the best way that we know how. And like when our daughters grow up someday, and if like if they have families and they're like their parents someday, they're gonna choose to raise their I mean, forget about baptism, like just like just parenting in general. They they might make decisions differently than us. And that's that's because like they are gonna be raising their kids in the best way they know how. So I started following Jesus when I was in early college, and back then I was generally not the kind of person who uh, just did something because everyone else was doing it. Um, uh, if, so if I didn't really see a really compelling reason for doing something that made sense to me, uh, I just didn't do it. And uh, so if I'm still like that in any way, hopefully it's in a very much more gospel-centered and uh, maybe hopefully drenched in humility kind of way um, than I was in my early 20s. Um, so when I heard people talk about baptism when I was in my early 20s, um, it just didn't make sense to me. It just really didn't make sense to me. Like, I don't remember like hearing much about the gospel and stuff. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe I just didn't have the ears to hear that. But um, I just didn't really understand the purpose of baptism. Like, you're dunking people in water. Like, oh, it's a pro- like, why are you doing that? Oh, it's a public proclamation of your faith in Christ. Cool, sweet man. I can figure out better ways to do that than like dunking somebody in water. So, so I kind of had an attitude problem. That's fair to say. Uh, but, um, yeah. So, long story short, I didn't get baptized until I was around 32. About that. Um, and yeah, and it, it is a little embarrassing to admit, but like the the driving force be, um, which forced me to like really consider getting baptized was um, I had a bunch of college students that I was leading, and they all that had become Christians, and they wanted to get baptized, and they were like, "Aaron, we really want you to baptize us." And I was like, yeah, "Crap," you know, <laughs> like, "Oh gosh," like, "Ah, uh, well, there you go." So, um, so by the time I was in my early thirties, God had grown me in my spiritual maturity enough that. It wasn't straight up pride, you know, for the reason why I wasn't why I hadn't gotten baptized. It was mainly because of me finding my identity in the approval of others instead of finding my identity in Christ. Um, so, because wouldn't I look foolish to the people that I was leading if they saw me finally getting baptized at age thirty-two? Um, so for me, it was a gospel issue of where do I find my ultimate source of approval? Like, is it from the people I'm leading? Or is it from Jesus who won all the approval from God that I ever need? Like, it was really a gospel issue for me. He lived the perfect life that I, that I should have lived and so, like, and he get, like all the approval that he won from God from his perfect life that was transferred on to me, like because he gifted that to me because, like, I put my faith in him, and now like I have the approval of like of God from Christ that he's given to me, so like, he's won all the approval for me. So therefore, I have the freedom to obey God even if I'm disapproved by others. Um, so what happened is uh, my friend baptized me in a big crowd of people, and then I got out of the tank, and then I baptized everybody else in line. <laughs> so, and it was a great day. 
Uh, so um, those are the reasons why I waited way too long to get baptized. Uh, rhetorically, I would ask you, like, what's the reason you're waiting to get baptized? I mean, maybe it's just logistical. It's like, well, I haven't given you an opportunity or anything. So, Now, at the risk of being overly systematic, um, I just want to go through uh, a list of questions about, like, that I think it'd be helpful to talk through when it comes to baptism. Um, yeah, so first one, so uh, why should you get baptized? Why should you get baptized? So like I've been saying, the purpose of baptism is to symbolize the gospel, our union, relationship, connection with Jesus. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change that you've made to align yourself with Jesus as your forgiver and leader. And you've been joined and united. You've been joined and united with him through faith in his death and resurrection. So here at River City, we believe that baptism is an expression of faith to God, and it's not a means of grace, of receive, a means of receiving grace from God. So baptism isn't one of these things where it's like, okay, so like Ephesians 1, for example, it talks about like we've received every spiritual blessing like for our spiritual lives through Christ in heaven, through having faith in him. Like everything. So, so it's not like uh, in baptism we're receiving some kind of like extra power boost <laughs> from, of grace from God. Okay? So it's a me. So like baptism is an expression of faith to God, not a means of receiving grace from God. So, so. And also it's worth noting that um, here at River City, um, getting baptized doesn't give you special privileges or anything like that. I don't even know what kind of special privileges you would get from getting baptized, but you don't get any. Sorry. Um, but, and it's not a requirement for becoming a member here. Like, if you want to talk about that later, about, like, why we have that stance and everything, about why we think the Bible, Scripture, like, points to that, um, that's not a requirement for becoming a member here. So. Um, but ultimately, why should you get baptized? Um, because it's a privilege. It's a privilege to get to follow and obey Jesus in this way and just to like, just tell that story about the gospel and you. Yeah, and we get to do that together. So next question, who should get baptized? Who should get baptized? So if you're a Christian who's made the choice to follow Jesus as your forgiver and leader, like scripture consistently points to that being the kind of person who should consider getting baptized. So if like... Um, that's a decision that you make for you as an expression of your faith in Christ and your relationship and your connection and your union with him. So, yeah. And there's a pattern throughout the New Testament, like the whole New Testament starting in Acts, which is like belief, then baptism. Like that's the pattern, belief, then baptism. So I'd really encourage you to consider like that pattern and like what that, what that pattern means for you. So when should you get baptized? So, hypothetically, let's say that you start following Jesus as your forgiver and leader, all right? but then you wait 15 years to get baptized. Let's call that pulling an errand. All right? So, I would encourage you to not pull an errand. But if it has been a long time since you've become a Christian and you haven't been baptized, like, I would totally can encourage you to pull an errand. You know? um, yeah, and the key principle with that is, like, it's never too late to get baptized. There's not an expiration date, you know, on that. So, 
Um, another question in regards to the when, like here at River City, um, we don't have the theological or biblical stance that like someone needs to get baptized in um, a local church because we don't think the Bible points to that. Um, like for example, I mean, for example, I mean, if you're on a hike with your buddies in Colorado and you're like, hey, I've never been baptized, like look, there's some water there. You know, I mean, if you want to do that, that's cool. Like, we don't, we don't have, see the theological and, like, biblical, like, framework in Scripture to, like, just be uptight about that. Um, we don't see anything necessarily wrong with that at all. So um, that being said, here's the principle that we, were, we go on. So your faith is meant to be lived out in community. Your faith is meant to be, is meant to be lived out in community. So. It's not this isolated thing. So when it comes to getting baptized, we operate on the general principle that the more, let's say it's a spectrum, like the more individualistic and isolated and not in community that your baptism is, I think like the further that you're getting away from kind of like the picture of the New Testament baptism, you know, because like your faith has been to be lived out in the context of community. Yeah, I mean, there were isolated baptisms and like in Acts, like with the Ethiopian eunuch, eunuch and Philip. But like, I mean, the, I mean, what was what was that dude supposed to do? You know, it's like, all right, get back in the chariot and like go back and like, be, you know, it's just like, okay, well, you got baptized there. You know, I would just say like, we're not going to be uptight about it, but you know, it's just like, there's no warrant for us to be uptight about it. But like, like I would just encourage like you to think through like, what does your baptism look like in the context of community? Um, and that's why we encourage you, um, you know, we'd encourage you to consider getting baptized here at River City here on June 3rd. Because um, we're friends, we're family, we're a covenant community that's on mission here in Dubuque. Like, we'd love to celebrate that together. So, how should you get baptized? How should you get baptized? Um, so here at River City, um, we do baptism by immersion, which is a fancy way of by immersion. So that's a fancy way of saying that like uh, we dunk people, not like how your uncle Jimmy dunked you like in the pool growing up. Okay, so like you just like gently like go. Um, so like my daughter Maggie, she's like, can I hold my nose? I'm like, yeah, of course you can hold your nose. So it's like you know we just like have you go down and then we come up. Okay. So we do baptism by immersion. So I suppose I could go into the original languages and like make a point of like why that's the reason why we do immersion. But the even better reason that we do immersion is that it symbolizes the gospel because, for example, like what we saw in Romans 6, when someone goes down into the water, it's a picture of going down into the grave and being buried. You know, it's just like to your old way of life. And coming up out of the water, like, that's a picture of being raised with Christ in newness of life. You know, that's why we do immersion, because, like, it's about the gospel, and it's like it symbolizes the gospel. So that's why we do immersion. And, like, uh, we aren't overly rigid about that, though. Um, just to be straight with you, I mean, like, we're, we're actually pretty pragmatic about it. I mean, like, so at our church in Platteville, um, man, there was this big dude who was in his 80s, and, like, I mean, he had a walker. He had the tennis balls on the walker, and, like, man, it's just, like, um, he made the choice to follow Jesus in his 80s. Like, it was really cool. Um, but, like, man, we are not getting this dude in a tank, you know, it's just like, I mean, if you want, I mean, I suppose maybe we could. We'd have to have the paramedics on hand. Like, it was just, so um, we just, you know, we did, like, a pouring, you know. So, like, you know, it's like he just put his head over the tank, and, like, we poured him. It's like he was really happy about it. That was his choice. He wanted to get baptized, you know, and, like, it was really cool. So, yeah, we do baptism by immersion, but we just aren't overly rigid about that. So, 
Who should baptize you? Who should baptize you? So here at River City, who baptizes you, who baptizes you is way less important than why you're getting baptized. Who baptizes you is way less important than why you're getting baptized. So we don't see scripture making a big deal about who baptizes you. The more important thing is about like that you're doing it in faith as an expression of the gospel. So um, sometimes it's your sometimes a spouse is the one who baptizes another spouse. Sometimes it's your small group leader. Sometimes it's your parent. Sometimes it's your pastor. Like, I'm cool. I like baptizing people. Like, if you want, like, Brandon or I as pastors, like, to, one of us to baptize you, that's cool. Like, I don't think you should want us to baptize you because, like, oh, I need the holy man to do it. It's like, dude, like, Jesus is the only holy man around here, okay? So, like, let's just, like, put that to rest. I can't help you <laughs> with that. So, like, but yeah, um, who baptizes you is way less important than why you're getting baptized. So we don't make a big deal out of that because Scripture, we don't feel, feel makes a big deal out of that. When should I encourage my kids to get baptized? Like, when should I encourage my kids to get baptized? So here's the principle with that. Um, I would encourage you to take the approach that you would with your kids that you would with anybody else. So, one, it needs to be their choice. You can't, like, peer pressure your kids into that. So it needs to be their choice. Uh, they need to generally understand what baptism is all about. Okay, they don't need to have this. You need to have an age-appropriate, like, kind of just understanding of like what baptism is about. Um, and number three, if they're showing fruit in their lives of like belonging to Jesus, putting their faith and trust in the gospel, and they love Jesus, like, of course they should consider being baptized. And then finally, roadblocks to getting baptized. Roadblocks. Uh, I put roadblocks plural, but I'm actually going to probably talk about it singular because there's only one main roadblock. There's a lot of roadblocks for sure, but there's one like predominant one that um, usually happens with that. So the pro- predominant roadblock that I usually see um, people encounter when it comes to getting baptized is um, they think it'll make some, it'll make for some pretty awkward or tense like conversations with extended family or someone in your extended family won't approve. And that's usually because you were baptized as a baby. Um, so nobody, like, nobody likes uh, awkwardness or confrontation. And if you do, uh, you, like it, you probably like it for the wrong reasons. So, um, uh, and nobody wants to accidentally cause friction in your family. Like Christmas is probably awkward enough as it is. Like why would you want to add to that? Okay. Um, so I've been, so the situation I'm describing right here, it's like, like I've been in that boat. Um, and if that sounds like your situation, here are just a few things that I would encourage you to think through. Uh, first of all, um, I'm going to assume that you have a good head on your shoulders and you really want what's best for your extended family and you actually care about them. Okay? I'm going to just assume that, all right? Um, and at the, I'm also going to assume that at the core of who you are, you did really truly desire to be kind and thoughtful and respectful and winsome about the decisions that you are making in your life. Forget about baptism. Just like when you're talking about decisions that you are making in your life that are different than your extended family, like are you, like I really assume, I'm just going to assume that you want to be kind and thoughtful and respectful and winsome about like just talking about like decisions that you're making in your life. So, um, so with that being said. At what 
point do you start making decisions for you? At what point do you start making decisions for you? Again, you should always be kind and thoughtful and respectful and winsome, but who gets the final say in your life? Who gets the final say in your life? Is it Jesus or is it somebody else? I mean, if you honestly say somebody else, um, yeah, I mean, I would respectfully say that, like, you know, you, you probably have a lot bigger stuff to wrestle with than, like, the content of this sermon. Who gets the final say in your life? So um, if you want some insight or advice um, or just, some, like, a friend to talk to about just, like, how to navigate those, some of those potential conversations and everything, um, just with family members or whoever else, um, like, I'd encourage you to talk to your small group leaders. Um, uh, talk to somebody you really trust and respect here here at River City. Um, you can definitely talk to me. Um, yeah, and, like, and seriously, like, just from personal experience, like, there's, like, um, there's always good ways to winsomely navigate those conversations with, like, you know, I would just really encourage you to, to consider that. So, so at this point, I want to invite up Maggie. So Maggie is my middle daughter. She's the one with the microphone. How you doing, Mags? That's good. All right. Do you want to say something into the microphone? Hi. How's it going? All right. Do you want to tell, tell everybody about yourself? Anything? I'm nine. You are. You are a great nine-year-old. So if you don't know, Maggie and I are related. It's like she gets her really good looks from her father. That'd be good. So, um, so Maggie, um, so you've been asking to get baptized for about two years now. So... I dropped the ball on the logistics for that last summer. Sorry about that, by the way. That's okay. Okay, thanks for it. Um, so, um, Maggie, can you tell us, like, um, what are some of the reasons that, like, uh, why you want to get baptized? Because I love Jesus so much. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and um, are you nervous about anything with getting baptized? Sometimes I get nervous when a bunch of eyes are on me. Oh, like right now? <laughs> okay. You're doing great, though. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're nervous about that, Mags, you know it's like why do you why are you still choosing to get baptized? Because I know if I get nervous, Jesus will help me. Mm-hmm. You bet. Sounds good. Hey, thanks for coming up here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So uh, we are gonna have uh, one person get baptized on June third. If Maggie's the only one, cool. Um, if there's more than that, that's great as well. So we'd really encourage you to some for some of you to consider that. But. Um, yeah, if you want to get baptized on June 3rd, um, just let me know ASAP so that um, we can just talk about that, um, yeah, and just sit down and talk. So um, when it comes to some of the logistics, so it's going to be June 3rd during the service. Um, there's going to be, uh, like, a tank of water up here. Um, we don't have a spigot right here. We'll logistically figure it out. Um, so we'll ask you to talk for at least a little bit about why you're getting baptized, like how you've been growing in the gospel, and just like, we're not going to ask you to preach a 10-minute sermon or anything like that, but just like, we do really want to hear from you with, like, with your heart about like, like um, your connection and your relationship and your union with Christ. So um, we're not going to leave you hanging out to dry with that, so like, I'll talk to you through that and everything, but... Um, and lastly, like, um, if you are wanting to get baptized, I'd, I'd encourage you to think through um, who are some friends and neighbors and coworkers and family members that you would want to invite to like, um, just come experience that with you to get baptized. 
Um, so part of the purpose of baptism is it's a public proclamation of your faith in Christ. So, so with that in mind, like who is God wanting you to invite? Who is God wanting you to invite? Sounds good? So just like what we talk about with every week, so like, um, you know, baptism symbolizes the gospel. I hope you've heard that clearly. <laughs> but like communion is meant to symbolize the gospel, like just like baptism. They're both meant to symbolize the gospel. It's like they tell a story about the gospel. So the bread symbolizes his body, and the juice symbolizes his blood, which were broken and shed for you. He took the initiative to us, towards us. He per- lived the perfect life um, that we were supposed to live. He died the death that we were supposed to die. Like he took the hit for us. Like so the flow of the gospel is like God takes initiative towards us, and we respond. And then communion is a symbolic way for us to respond to him. Yeah. That's why we remember him, we respond to him. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 12 that Jesus says that, like, do this in remembrance of me. This isn't a religious ritual. This is, like, something done to remember him. So, So if Jesus is your forgiver and leader, we just invite you to take communion this morning. So there's two stations in the back. Um, you can go up on your own whenever you're ready. Um, we're, the worship team is going to be playing three songs. Anytime during those three songs, like whenever you feel like you're spiritually ready and your heart is ready, you can go back and take communion on your own that way. So you don't need to be a member here to take communion. You just need to only belong to Jesus.